Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Pelicans fans, we're doing a special dual part episode. I am here again with editor and chief of thebirdrights.com, Ali Cosell, as well as contributing writer to thebirdrights.com, Kevin Berrios. I, of course, am your host and credentialed member of the Orlando Pinstripe Post.com, as well as the Bird Rights. And we're recapping all of today's action involving both the Pelicans and the Pistons and the highly anticipated matchup of the Magic and the Suns. Which one do you guys want to start with? Your pick. All right, it'll be my pick. We'll start with the Pelicans because that one was a bit earlier in the day. It was a noon tip, the first of the game at the Cox Pavilion, and it was frankly pretty cool because the entire starting lineup of the Detroit Pistons was on hand, sitting across from us, Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond, uh, Stanley... I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Johnson, uh, let's see, Ish Smith, Reggie Jackson, uh, a lot of faces out there. It was a really cool opportunity. Let's go ahead and dive into the game. Uh, We'll start with Ali. Of course, it was it was a disappointing performance after the matchup that we saw yesterday. And, of course, the, the big story has been Trevon Blewett. But we've also been talking at length against about the disappointing performance of Czech Diallo. And while he did have 25 points, a lot of that came in the fourth quarter as the Pelicans managed uh, a pretty admirable come-from-behind attempt at the end. However, it fell short as they ended up falling. I think it was 105 to 98. Talk about what you saw from Czech Diallo and where do you see his future going into Wednesday and possibly training camp after uh, the way he's performed this summer league? Well, I'm actually a little bit worried about him, Preston. He is not taking that curve trend upwards, especially with the summer league. As for first year, we're kind of impressed. He showed some flashes, and then he really showed up well, and everybody considered him to be one of the top five or ten players a year ago in the summer league games. And suddenly, he's having trouble just even getting any kind of rhythm on either end of the floor. And it was very troubling today because of the Pistons. They uh, com- basically ate at the rim. Um, and, you know, Sheik Diallo being the last line of defense, he was unable to thwart them on any of their drives at all. And that's what caused the Pistons to gain that early momentum. And they b- pretty much just ran downhill for the rest of the game. They dominated. I would Not dominate, but they, they 
uh, had the clear advantage in both the second and third quarters as well, as the Pelicans were not able to get anything going on the offensive end either, which was a surprise because the first couple of games we've seen their offense on fire. Everybody's been remarking they're playing with great pace. They're knocking all down uh, all their open jumpers. That didn't happen today. Uh, Kevin Hansen in particular noted that, the summer league head coach for the Pelicans, and uh, he was not impressed to say the least by the effort, and in particular from Sheck Diallo, and rightfully so. He said that he's just got to get himself up and going. He basically used the word self-starter. Uh, and you have to agree with him. This guy's here in his third summer league. He has to be better than his competition. And you know what? He just really hasn't been. Uh, let's continue on that line of thought. This, the first half was the really disappointing part of his performance. He was 4 of 11, and he had five fouls. However, in the fourth quarter alone, he went 5 uh, of 6. Kevin, was this a product of Henry Ellenson being off the floor, Czech Diallo getting comfortable, all of the above, or – I don't know, just talk about his fourth quarter performance and what you think it means in regard or by comparison to his first three quarters. Yeah, I think a lot of it was because the Pistons had yanked uh, their two um, starting big men off the court, so it allowed him uh, more freedom out there. He, he wasn't he, he wasn't going against uh, the tougher competition that he was, which in, in theory you should say he, he should be able to compete with those guys being a third-year guy anyway, so that was a little bit disappointing. Um, you saw him, you know, play with energy. Um, you saw hit lapses on defense, like just lack of awareness, lack of floor awareness. Um, you know, rebounds, he still will grab rebounds because of his um, athleticism, but you don't see him using his body. He still hasn't boxed out, really. So the, the whole first three quarters was very disappointing watching him. Then you saw him have some moments in the fourth where he's running the floor, getting to the rim. Um, but it was a little bit too late and against weaker competition, so it's hard to really give him a huge pat on the back. But it was at least nice to see him look effective on the floor, which he looked really lost in the game before that. All right, good stuff. And now we'll get to the, the main ticket item of Pelican Summer League, and that, of course, is Trevon, Trayvon. We're going to have to figure out how to pronounce his name, Blewett. And uh, some strong comments made by Kevin Hansen after the game. I don't have them directly in front of me, but I'm sure Ali's going to pick them up at some point. And it, it was basically uh, uh, something along the lines, Will Gullery posted this, that he's an NBA player, and he hopes that we have Trevon Blewett on our real team sometime soon. And while he wasn't as effective on the offensive end as he was in other games, the Pistons keyed on him early, often throwing double teams. But we saw the all-around aspects of his game, beating the double team, not forcing anything, remaining patient, only taking the right shots. And more importantly than that was his defensive performance. He was often uh, matched up with Henry Ellenson. Ellenson tried to go right at him, and a smart defender kept his body in front of him at all times, never managed to let anybody get by him. Uh, just a heady defender and capable of taking on those big-bodied guys. Okay, here's the quote. Thank you, Ali. It, it was what I was concerned about. Coming off an off day, early game, we came out flat. We weren't protecting the paint. We weren't covering for each other. All the little things we didn't do. I'm happy it happened now and not in tournament play. It was a little wake-up call. We're thinking we were better than we are, he said uh, after after the matchup. That wasn't in regards to Trevon Blewett, but obviously very disappointed by how flat the Pelicans came out. They trailed by as many as 23 before cutting the gap to seven at the end of the game. So let's talk about Blewett. Uh, we've been peddling him pretty much since the beginning of tournament play. We think he's somebody that deserves a shot. At first, we hoped he got a two-way contract. And now at this point, Ali, I think we want him on the regular season roster. 
Yeah, Preston, I think you've got to change change your outlook because he has dominated play. And granted, he wasn't didn't have that 20 to 25 point game today, but you know he still did a lot of things well. That makes coaches envious across the league, and that's what led to Kevin Hansen basically remarking he's a definite NBA league uh, or NBA level style of player. So you've got to think the Pelicans are very high on him. Obviously, and one thing I did find out interesting is that the Pelicans actually brought him in a year ago in a training camp when he was considering on leaving for the NBA after his junior season. Yeah, the Pelicans were one of four teams to look at him, so they're obviously high on this guy. And uh, the way I look at it is you don't want to have a repeat mistake of what happened with when the Pelicans lost out on Seth Curry three years ago. Uh, he played Seth Curry, that is, played really well for the Pelicans. He led that summer league uh, competition with 24.3 points a game. And this was at a time when the Pelicans didn't have much to cheer about. They were coming off a year where they had a lot of disappointment after making the playoffs in 2014-15, then suddenly 15-16 Alvin Gentry's first year. Major disappointment, but you know what? Seth Curry kind of, you know, brought the fan base a little bit of excitement, and yet when it came to the negotiations, we lost out on him. So you've just got to be careful when you're at the table. These agents are trying to do the best for their players, and if you're haggling over a little bit of money here or there or something, you know what? I'm sure Dell Demps has learned his mistake. If it was a mistake at all back then, I'm not sure, but I think with Trayvon Blewett, I think you've got to honestly look at giving him a minimum uh, rookie deal, which would start about 840000 or so next season. Hopefully he would agree to a two-year deal. All right, let's keep that line of thinking going, Kevin. Um, hopefully we're going to get an opportunity to talk with him tomorrow and get some quotes uh, and, and put them down on this podcast for you. But, Kevin, talk about Blewett. Talk about the positive things he did today. And do you think he further cemented himself in your mind? Do you think he stayed about the same? Do you think he regressed a little bit? Talk about where, in terms of trajectory after today's performance, you now see him. Yeah, I mean, uh, unselfishly, you would like to see another one of those ex uh, scoring outbursts, you know. Um, but it was kind of good to see him have a little bit more of a quiet game, and you can get to see more of the things he's doing that aren't just shooting. Um, he had a nice um, bounce pass to check the aloe on a, on a – um, that led to a dunk. Um, his, as you said already, his defense looked very serviceable. He had, he, he guarded a lot of different sized guys, and he he held his own. He looked really well. Um, he looked like he wasn't lost. And one thing you could definitely tell that the Pistons were scheming against him. Um, they were trying to make sure he didn't get free. Uh, he was fighting through a lot to uh, get open spots, and it was a struggle for him. But he was m making it work sometimes. Um, and you know. You could hear them calling out his name on defense when he would touch the ball. They were de definitely aware of when he was in, in the game and when he was getting touches. And, you know, they were keying in on him, which tells you the respect that the opponent has for him, you know, says a lot as, w as much as the uh, our own coach, you know, pra praising him. And I think we saw a lot more of the little things that he can do today, which was nice. But that quick release is still there. Uh, he didn't get as many shots as he did in the other game, and you know a couple didn't fall this time, but that happens. Uh, but the form looked great, the stroke looked good, the release was so quick. Um, you know he's still a promising guy, and I don't think any of us are thinking that he's going to be, you know, the the starter opening day at small forward. But if you're replacing, you know, if you can't upgrade the roster over DeAndre Liggins and you're taking a flyer on this guy, it's you know, you know, it's a good move in my part, in my mind. Yeah, there's just three things I want to add to this that I really noticed out of Trayvon today. And, but I'll start with what Kevin Hansen said. 
The Detroit Pistons, without a doubt, had game plan for him. They did not let him get any kind of looks whatsoever, especially in that first half. So they keyed on him, and anytime he was trying to get free, they would send another man over to give some help. So he's essentially almost double-teamed today. Pretty good respect, considering the guy's only got two summer league games under his belt. Uh, the other thing is with Trayvon, what I noticed in particular that stood out was his ability to probe with the ball. He would catch it off the usual, again, off a pick-and-roll or something like that, but he was ha didn't have any space. But you know what? He utilized his dribble really well. He either uh, get, get, got himself some space to get a nice uh, jumper, or he drove actually into the paint, almost just inside the free throw line a couple times. And once, I do specifically remember he had a great floater. He uses that change of direction, his uh, change in speed, because he's not the fastest guy, obviously. But you know what? He has that shiftiness to him, that smart, you know, he sees his defender leaning one way, he'll go the other way. And he's able to always get his shot off. Kevin constantly tells me, this guy's got a, one of the quickest releases I've seen. And, and Kevin's absolutely right. So all, he's, all he needs is just a little bit of airspace. And the third thing, Kevin kind of already mentioned on it, but I love the fact that he showed his physical side defensively. Twice, the Pistons really tried to take advantage of where the bigger guys tried to manhandle him. Once it was on a drive baseline, I remember, and uh, Trayvon did a great job of cutting the guy twice. And then on a third time, he got in front of him, right in front of the rim, and, and the guy had about a six-foot shot, but it was highly contested, and Trayvon didn't give the guy an inch, and he missed. And then uh, later on, I think it may have been in the next quarter, in the second quarter, Trayvon was posted up by Ellenson. And you know what? He couldn't get around him, get an easy look. Trayvon held his ground. So this whole thing about Trayvon possibly not being strong enough or maybe not being big enough to play small forward, I call malarkey. I just saw him you know, do really well against two guys that are, had height and weight advantages on him. So I think it was promising, despite the fact he only had 13 points on 12 shots. All right, let's head to our last line of questioning. Obviously, we've got some more basketball to be played on Wednesday, so we just want to talk about the major storylines. Before we get back to the Magic, uh, just want to touch on some guys. Walt Lemon Jr., 14 points, although he also had four turnovers. Tony Carr uh, was somebody we were expecting a lot from. Didn't get it tonight. Just six points, uh, just two rebounds, and a negative 18 uh, positive net rating or negative net rating I should say uh the largest of the game by far check Diallo uh just behind him at negative 12 Garland Green a bright spot at plus 18 in just 17 minutes he had seven points but just a solid heady all-around guy just kind of made the right plays when they were in front of him DJ Hogg is somebody who I liked only played three minutes have to think this is going to be the end of his career as a New Orleans Pelican uh not not necessarily uh off the radar so to speak but it doesn't it doesn't look like he's going to warrant a training camp invite just based on how much of a look they gave him in this matchup but you never know maybe his legs retired and we'll see a bit more of him on Wednesday so before we head over to the magic just talk about some of the role players some of the stuff you saw if there was anything positive that stood out from you stood out to you and could any of these guys possibly warrant a two-way contract? I also should mention uh, Siobhan Shields, who Ali has been preaching for a couple of days now. However, he has signed a, a deal with a EuroLeague team, and Ali can tell you more about that. But talk about some positives you saw from the role players. We'll start with Kevin. Yeah, I mean, uh, Green obviously had a very quiet impact on the game. Uh, it was clear to see his positive impact on the court, but if you look at just his box score, it doesn't look great ex until you get to the plus and minus. You know, it didn't look overly impressive, but you could feel his impact when you were watching the game. Uh, he was one of the few guys out there that were talking on defense, and he was constantly talking on defense, which was good to see. And I thought Randall had a pretty decent game. You know, he had some, some nice moments. Um, other than that, you know, Lemon is so up and down for me. I, I, I don't really enjoy watching him play, 
but he does make plays here and there. Um, he's just, I don't know, there's something aesthetically about his game that isn't pleasing to me. Um, but, you know, I think the coaching staff likes him. Um, and, you know, he hustles. That's one thing you can't uh, deny about him is he's, he's always flying and he's always, uh, you know, in the action. Um, I just, there's just something about him that doesn't click with me. Um, but I could see him possibly being the t a two-way guy this year coming up. And uh, Green, you know, we need to see more of him, but he was definitely like a glue guy on the court today, which would be not a bad thing to have out of a, um, a two-way player, assuming that, you know, Blewett would be a regular roster guy. Um, but, yeah, those are really the lone bright spots. I don't see – from what I've seen of Carr so far, I don't see him even being a two-way guy yet, um, possibly – play overseas for a little while and then maybe come back but um I, I he just is too hesitant with the ball and does you don't really feel him out there um in any real positive way yeah kevin pretty much nailed it i mean i've been high on shavon shields and he looks like the ultimate kind of wing glue guy that you want on team he was the only one that seemed to come to play in that first quarter and all I saw, because I was on the defensive end on the, for the Pelicans, he was always the first one trying to stop a fast break on his own, it seemed like. And uh, he did actually a decent job. Um, he nailed a couple threes. He actually looked for his offense early. And uh, I like his work on the boards again. He's one of the few guys that I have noticed actually trying to box out players. You know, these players are coming in the league. They're young, and uh, you can tell that they either haven't been coached well or they've just relied on their athleticism. Well, Sh Sh Shields has gone through all that. He's, he's more of a veteran. He's been playing over in Europe for a while, and unfortunately he's going back over there. Uh, I think it was Basconia in Spain just gave him a, a, a new contract for our next year. Um, so he's going to be leaving us, so it's kind of surprising to see he's still playing. But who knows, maybe maybe he's uh, making an impact on Dell and vice versa, and they're going to maintain that relationship, and maybe he'll come back over, whether on a two-way uh, deal or on a contract. All right, and with that, we're going to transition over to the Orlando Magic. Thank you guys so much for being patient to listeners of Do You Believe in Magic and all you guys who support OrlandoPinstripedPost.com. Uh, it was a disappointing one. Uh, it kind of follows the same theme, uh, a bit different. But 71-53 to 53 was the final score. The Suns, of course, excuse me, emerged victorious. Um, and Kevin made a nice analogy for any of you who might be New Orleans Saints fans. Uh, he compared the Magic Summer League squad to the 1990 New Orleans Saints, who had that famous dome patrol defense headed by those four Hall of Fame or should be Hall of Fame linebackers or will be Hall of Fame linebackers at some point. Uh, but unfortunately, they had Steve Walsh and John Forcade at the quarterback position. Um, and that's kind of what happened tonight for every miscue the Magic had offensively, and there were several, 20 turnovers on the night, and most of them baffling. Uh, there was uh, an equally impressive play on the defensive end. This team had almost 20 caused turnovers. I've got the numbers in front of me. I think it was 12 steals and 10 blocks uh, by the Orlando Magic. Yes, that's right. Um, and they created 16 turnovers from the Phoenix Suns, who were, of course, led by DeAndre Ayton at 17 points and 13 rebounds. Uh, and the, the shooting was abysmal in this one. Uh, there's, there's no cute way to put it. Uh, shooting from three-point range, uh, these guys were, were quite dreadful. Three of 20, 15%. Uh, from the field in general, 17 of 55, 30.9%. 
Um, we're going to talk about the defense and the positives. Before we get to that, we just have to get the negatives out of the way. This team simply doesn't know how to play competitive offensive basketball. Obviously, these guys have all the talent, all the athleticism, the wingspan, the length, everything that John Hammond and Jeff Weltman like to target. But when it comes to offensive instinct, when it comes to when you drive into the paint, there's one of three decisions primarily that you can typically make. You can try to get through the contact like Tyreek Evans, just uh, absorb it or shy away from it and get around it. You can kick it to an open shooter on the perimeter. And I forgot what the third one was going to be. Or you can pull up for the mid-range jumper. Thank you so much, Holly. So those are your <laughs> We're in Las Vegas, after all. Uh, we are severely dehydrated, if you know what I mean. Uh, so these are the three primary things that you can do, but too often... The Magic get into the paint, they drive towards the basket, the defender rotates, they try to go through him, and they either force a turnover or they draw a charge. And it was it was difficult to get through at times because you see the potential, you see the possibility of guys like Melvin Frazier and Wes Awundu on one side of the court, and then you see them on the other side of the court. Both these guys had four turnovers apiece, but they also created three steals, I think Melvin Frazier had on the night, and Wesley Awundu thwarted two different offensive players on the same possession, would not allow either of them past the three-point line. So you see the potential in these guys. Uh, let's go ahead and throw it over to Ali. The story, of course, was Mo Bamba and DeAndre Ayton, but we got away from that very quickly due to the offensive ineptitude of the Orlando Magic. But let's start with some of the positives. What were some of the positive things you saw out of these young Magic that should let the, the fan base be hopeful heading into the regular season? Well, you definitely see what separates them and why they were high draft picks, especially with Isaac and Mobamba. You see the fact they have this incredible length, this incredible um, athleticism, and of course this drive. You know, the, you need basically all three of these things. So you want these guys, even though they have a far, far way to go to become complete NBA players, legitimate all-stars, um, the fact that they already exhibit that work effort, that desire, that drive, that's key. You want to see these guys, even though they're mis making mistake after mistake, they're not putting their head down. You see them learning. You see the coach and them reacting to positive coaching on the sidelines when they get pulled over. You know, I really do like what I'm seeing out of these young guys. So it looks like their head is in the game. They understand it's probably going to be a long process. Um, hopefully not as long as Philadelphia is, of course. But, no, they've already got a good head start. And with Mo Bamba, like I was saying uh, in, on the last podcast, I love his physicality. He knows he's outmatched. And Aiton obviously just had his way with him because he's a much stronger, much bigger fellow at this stage. But Mo Bamba didn't care. He still fought. He uh, fought for every inch possession, and that's what you want to see. You've got to be able to have that brawler mentality almost in order to operate in the paint as an NBA player, and Mo Bamba's got it. And uh, so that, that's key. With Isaac, he's got so much talent, but this guy's got to learn, as, as Preston was just alluding to, he um, – he uh, kind of made a lot of a lot of Orlando guys got themselves into trouble themselves on drives or whether taking a bad shot, contested shot, and that's just all going to come in time. Uh, that's why you shouldn't hang your head on that. But what you've got to look at is their qu first quick, you know, their their quick steps, taking a guy off a dribble, their length, the, um, how the ball comes out of their hand. Do they have a soft touch? And you know what, Isaac does exhibit a lot of these things. He seems to have this desire to honestly get to the free throw line. He does not shy away from contact. So even though he, he got himself into trouble a couple times where I specifically remember him getting his shot rejected because he just went too deep. I was remarking to Preston. He's got to learn to pull up, take that mid-range jumper because I honestly think that's his best shot in his bag right now. He's got a nice feathery touch. He could honestly look like Kevin Durant from that range right now if he really worked on it. So he just has to build on his positives, just take incremental steps, just like the rest of these young guys. 
But uh, it, it's going to be a lot to ask Preston because these guys have got to learn. One of them has got to break through and become a shooter because this is now the third day in a row where I think they just um, they couldn't make more than five three-pointers. As you mentioned today, what, they make three, I think, in that first game. And in that first game, they made four. So, you know, at some point that does get in your head, and you're just hoping that one of these guys kind of figures it out sooner rather than later because it is about putting up points on, a, on, on the uh, scoreboard. And let's continue that line of thinking with Kevin before we get to the negatives on offense. Talk about some of the positives you saw from these young guys, specifically from the two guys Ali was mentioning, Jonathan Isaac and Mo Bamba. And if there was anybody else on the floor, like Melvin Frazier and Wes Wundu, who were effective defensively, be sure to point that out as well. I got to be honest, in this one, last game, I really enjoyed watching them, and it was fun to see the athleticism and the length on display. This game was really painful to watch. It was uh, <laughs> it was hard for me to keep focused, um, so it's going to be hard for me to be positive uh, in this, and I'm sorry about that. But um, I think, really, if you're looking for one thing that completely summed up this game for the Orlando Magic and maybe where they're at at this point, um, is we saw um, Melvin Frazier make a great steal and then uh, had a one-man fast break to the basket, and then he just hesitated and slowed down and looked back at Aiton coming up behind him, and instead of what would have been, you know, it should have been a very clean dunk, his hesitation slowed down enough that Aiton was able to catch up to him and uh, block the shot. Of course, it was called for a foul, but the basket didn't go in, but what should have been a guaranteed two points, you know, nice highlight. Uh, dunk for Melvin Frazier was taken away because he just hesitated and it's just that sort of hesitation and disconnect on offense right now that it's it was really an ugly game to watch but um, defensively yeah I mean that's really what you got to hang your hat on right now um, and you know sometimes the def defense is the hardest thing to teach players maybe and so maybe that's a bright spot for Orlando that they already have this you know defensive instincts and defensive abilities um, whereas you might, be, you can possibly teach them, you know, enough moves to survive offensively. And once they get, uh, you know, a better point guard in there to uh, help set everybody up, you know, it, things will be on the up and up, I guess. Yeah, that was a terrific analogy by Kevin, um, because for all the negatives that we're pointing out about guys like Wesley Awundu and Melvin Frazier, uh, as I was saying earlier, they made up for it on the defensive end, which made it equally frustrating when you see them come up with these opportunistic uh, sequences and they don't capitalize on them. Wes Awundu, of course, we mentioned, had four turnovers. He also had two steals and he had a block. Melvin Frazier, of course, four turnovers. He also had three steals. So these guys are creating opportunities. They're just not capitalizing on them. And you expect guys like Jonathan Isaac heading into his second year, although he only played 25 games last year, you, you want to see him kind of take charge, leadership, that sort of thing. Shot just two of nine from the field. I had an opportunity to talk to him after the game, and uh, I'll play that after the end of this podcast along with some comments by Pat Delaney. And we just talked about some of the style that he was playing. Ali mentioned that he could have a Kevin Durant-like potential offensively if he learns how to manage his game. But too often, as we prefaced earlier, uh, he tried to take his defender off the dribble from the three-point line and drive all the way to the rim. And that's just not something that he is ready to do at this point in his career. He should start with the fundamentals, take what's given, examine the space, and make a play with what's in front of him rather than trying to go for the highlight reel, trying to do too much. Uh, just... Just do what you can with what you have. As we were talking about um, 
Trevon Blewett with the, with the Pelicans earlier, a smart guy who doesn't force anything, extremely patient, and he takes what the defense gives him. And when you have this otherworldly athleticism, it puts you in a situation where you think that you can do anything. And this is something that players are just going to learn in time. And like these guys have said, they've got all the potential in the world, and they do things the right way. They're smart guys, great interviews. They work hard. Um, thank you, Ali. Some other things that we haven't talked about yet. Somebody that I want to talk about, I see a lot of potential. I don't know how to say his name, and this is the second podcast in a row. I'm going to mispronounce it, but I'm going to say it's Brian Angola Rhodes. And this is a guy, I I like him very much. Uh, Defensively, he looks like he's a heady player, but offensively is what I want to focus on. Uh, he's, He's aggressive. He's not afraid to let it fly. He attacks the rim with equal force as he does uh, attack from the perimeter with a three-point shot. He lets them fly. Of course, tonight, uh, just four of eight from the field and 0 for three from three-point range. So those don't look good on paper, but you like the way his shooting uh, looks, his stroke. It's a quick release. Um, just, Just a guy who looks like he has what the magic needs, a Terrence Ross type quality he's got nice size uh productive player from fsu after two years in the community college and you can tell the magic like this guy because this is the second game in two days we've seen a lot of run out of him over 20 minutes when you've got a lot of guys on the bench like jacoby boykins like kendall stevens some other guys that should warrant a look chance comanche uh of course kemberch didn't play and justin jackson didn't play and byron mullins didn't play and that also contributes to the minutes we've seen from him but you can just tell that the Magic are interested in seeing what they can pull out of this guy, and we want to see him succeed. We want to see him get a longer look because he does provide what the Magic desperately need, shooting. Uh, with that being said, I wanted to talk about a sequence involving Wessawundu uh, that we— uh, I, I think I, I mentioned part of it earlier. Isaiah—not Isaiah Briscoe. He got hurt in the in the second half. But um, Troy Calpain in, in transition off a of steal— uh, missed at the rim, collected his own rebound, gave it to Wesley Wundu, and Wesley Wundu, rather than giving it up immediately to Rodas, who was wide open at the three-point line, kind of held the ball for about 10 seconds, and then he dribbled behind himself, tried to put in some flashy maneuvers, got under the basket, and kicked it out to Jonathan Isaac with two seconds left on the shot clock, who then gave it up, and of course, shot clock violation ensued. So that's that's the kind of, we're, we're talking about the same things here, and Let's let's go ahead and send it back to Ali because I've been monologuing for probably about two to three minutes at this point. Um, obviously, offensively, there's there's a lot that we can talk about where this team needs improvement. And what would you say, Ali, that they need to focus on first and foremost heading into what will probably be on Wednesday's next matchup? Okay, well, it's hard to uh, fit in a whole bunch of years that they need under their belts in just a day or two. So you've got to be realistic. What they need is a game plan. And I think I commented you the first game we were watching live where Troy Calpain entered in the game and suddenly the offense actually had some life because he made the right reads. He's got a, they need a point guard that's going to be making plays for everybody out there. Because as you just alluded to, Wundu, he, he just danced around with the dribble and he got nowhere. And David Greb would appreciate this, one of our fellow guys that joins us on a lot of podcasts. He always he used to drive him crazy when DeMarcus Cousins kind of did the same thing. When you're a bigger guy, when you have a long dribble, and what I mean by that is compared to where you're dribbling from the ground to your, your hand, say you're seven feet tall, there's a lot of space there for somebody to swipe you, uh, get a steal, knock it off your leg, something like that. And so when DeMarcus Cousins wasn't going straight downhill and he's dancing around, the uh, opportunity um, 
for him to score went decreased immensely as to where, you know, it would likely result in a turnover or a bad shot. And that's what you see with a lot of these Magic guys. So you want to avoid that. So you've got to kind of entrust right now, I think, the offense solely. You want to put it in guy, one guy's hand that's a great ball handler and makes decisions. And for me, I think this is a perfect opportunity for Troy, Cal- Troy Cal- Copain to step it up because if Prisco doesn't play, yeah, I know. <laughs> it's been a long day, like you said. So we're just tripping over each other at this point. But, no, I think what you want to see is you want him to create for others. That's where their, their talents of what they are able to do right now do shine, where they catch a kind of on the run on a cut, where they get an open look. They already need that separation to where everything's easier for them. They don't have to really make a decision. They react to what they see in front of them. So, I mean – Honestly, I don't know if that's honestly that much of an upper. Uh, I'll give you something like that. But, again, that's where they have to start. they got to make it easier for their guys that have a lot of work ahead of them, and I think that's the best way to do it. Just get a point guard that knows what he's doing out there. Let him lead as a floor general. Yeah, I mean, I would say one thing is, uh, you know, they should start off sort of like we saw with Anthony Davis when he first came into the league with a lot of uh, heavy pick-and-roll offense uh, to get these guys comfortable, start to develop them, attacking the rim. And, uh, you know, because you have these crazy, these two crazy, super long athletes um, that need to expand their game and uh, are very raw right now. But this will, you know, ease them in uh, as you start to add more and more on onto their game. But that's what I would do, you know, heavy pick-and-roll to start off and then start branching out from there. Um, once you can find some success, but you also need to find at least one spot up shooter to be on the court to uh, really make that work. So you have a little bit of space for a safety valve on a kick out or something like that. Okay, as you can hear, uh, Ali is lovingly whispering into my ear that he wanted. This is something that Wesley Wundu uh, contributed last night as well. Uh, in terms of attacking the basket, uh, some of the things he did resulted in turnovers, stuff that made us scratch our heads. But he does find himself at the free throw line quite a bit, and that's something that does result in points and positive net rating for the team. And it's something that was that made the Magic successful yesterday. So we do like Wesawundu's uh, development, the former 33 uh, overall pick last year. And defensively, he's got... He's got all the check marks. He's a fantastic player. He can match up at positions one through three. Uh, We think in time he'll be able to expand his game to that four position defensively. He's got all the measurables. Uh, So a very important player, I think, in terms of the Magic's future, in terms of a rotational player. And we see a lot of those same check marks in Melvin Frazier. So I still have very high hopes for him, although he did a lot of the same negative things that Wes Wundu did. But we do see the jumper that Melvin Frazier has. Um, it didn't fall for him tonight. And Kevin made a joke earlier that uh, that's the, kind of the story of the, the Magic. Uh, we just hope it goes in. Um, but uh, contested, 18-footer went in for him. And when he takes the three-point shot, he looks confident. The stroke looks clean uh so a lot very hopeful about melvin frazier let's go ahead and wrap this up we'll be back uh probably on wednesday if not on thursday when i get back to orlando and i'm gonna again i'm gonna post some of the comments by pat delaney and jonathan isaac at the conclusion of this podcast so make sure you guys uh stick around and check those out for any bird calls uh fans who might still be listening thank both of you so much for joining us uh, we really appreciate all the support. This has been so much fun, Summer League. We highly recommend it to everybody, not just because of the accessibility it gives to 
to the coaches, to the players, to other media. Uh, I met Jonathan Charks from the Ringer. Uh, we just crossed paths with Kevin Connor. I crossed paths, or no, Ali crossed paths with Woj in the hallway. Of course, uh, I think we've listed off some of the players that we've seen or who have passed by us. Some of the SB Nation guys we've had conversations with. It's really been. I we met Kelly Iko from ESPN Houston and Rockets Wire and, and formerly of Dream Shake and Space City Hoop, somebody who I've known for about two years now. And right after we we met him and he sat with us during the Pelicans and Pistons game, he broke news, uh, which was really cool. Um, so it's just a really exciting environment, and we'll continue uh, talking to you guys from here, if not on Wednesday, then next year. Again, if you guys like what you're hearing, uh, I know you've already done so much listening to us now, but just continue, uh, if, if you will, Retweet, subscribe, share on iTunes, Stitcher, tune in, anywhere podcasts are found. Tell your friends. And tell your friends, Ali Cosell says. Uh, any final thoughts from at Kevin B for Bounce and at Ali Cosell? Kevin? Not really, man. <laughs> All right. That's it from Las Vegas. Thank you guys again for bearing with us on our two-part podcast. And, uh, yeah, I'll have our recap up in the morning from Orlando Pinstripe Post. Uh, Ali, you have anything for the Pelicans in the morning? All right, I'm that's that's a negative. <laughs> We're sleeping in. All right, for now, let's go, Pels. And this has been Do You Believe in Magic? And we hope you do. Sometimes the ball doesn't go in, but he found a way to impact this game for us. That's what we're asking the most of him. Tough for to say you don't know about Terry coaching. How much you've been around the world for Tim? What have you learned about him? Something you didn't know coming in? IQ, got a great feel for the game. Adjusts on the fly. Great listener, great worker. And there's so many things that he does defensively for us that don't show up in the box scores. And uh, that's what we just wanted to keep doing, keep building on. As his conditioning and everything keeps getting better and better, uh, you know, it just helps us. You're getting to know him, obviously, and all, and you, you still will by the end of the season. Is he someone who is patient with himself? In other words, if he feels like he didn't play well, is he, gonna, is he the type of person to beat himself up? Is he, is he the type of person? I mean, how does he handle that? Any sense? I think Mo and I just all the guys that are in our locker room, they have that competitive spirit. As competitors, when things are good, they want them to be better. When things are bad, they feel like they can do more. Mo fits that mold. You know, he wants to play all the time. He wants to. He knows there's more that he can do. And uh, what he understands and what he knows is about our team and a team game. And we're building that right now. He's going to be a big part of it in our future. So he understands, but that's the competitive spirit in him. It's in his DNA. We've got a bunch of guys in that locker room like that. That, would, that leads to often leads to success. Troy uh, Copain is someone we haven't asked you enough about, but what, what impact has he had through these three games and in the practices? I think very similar to Isaiah, just in terms of that competitive spirit. Didn't shoot the ball great tonight, but I think the first two games he's made timely shots for us. Fearless player, not afraid of the big moments. Uh, you know, takes a challenge on whoever his matchup is. And again, it's just trying to make things very difficult for his opponent on both ends of the floor. So again, he fits in right with the other guys on this team. He's a guy we can throw in, play in multiple positions, which is what the league is becoming more and more. And uh, again, as a head coach, I'm really happy to have him here with us. Uh, Isaac played at the five seven eight. How did he get that role, that position? I thought he did really good. Again, obviously we talked about DeAndre a little earlier. I'm not sure if we're here, but obviously a big body, you know, physical guy. But I thought Jonathan uses quickness, uses feet, tried to get off, get called for a couple cheap fouls. Um, but just the competitive part of it is what we're looking for. It didn't give him anything. It seems like he's got a bigger 
Yeah, I think he's definitely put some weight on. Obviously, our staff only been in the organization for three plus weeks, but I think we can see it from seeing him during the season, from being in Charlotte, uh, to just seeing him evolve over this last week, both physically, mentally, his confidence is right there on both ends of the floor. Uh, you can just see that growth. It'll get better and better as the summer goes along. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. No, we appreciate it. Uh, you know, I, I, think they, I think they got the best of us. Set us back as we tried to fight back. What uh, what were your first impressions of DeAndre? This is going to be a, a matchup you're going to probably have in the next 12, 15 years. God willing. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't say necessarily my matchup, but uh, nah, he's a he's team a, versus yeah, team. Yeah, I team mean. versus team. He's a, he's a huge dude. He, he takes up a lot of space. He runs the floor well. Caught a lot of lobs tonight. Offensive rebounds. He can hit a jumper. So he has a good, he gives a good feel for the game, good all around game. Yeah, um, like I say, he's, he's a big, big, strong dude. I, I do what I could to keep him off the glass and keep him in front of me and not let him uh, post up, try to get around him. Number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the 
Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Johnny got a toy golf set when he was three, and from that day on, he was hooked. All he wanted to do was golf, golf, golf. He'd be on the links before school, after school. All he ever wanted was to go pro. And then, one day, when he was holding his grandson and thinking about his 12 handicap, Johnny realized it just might not happen for him. But you know what did happen for him? He switched to Geico and saved a bunch of money on car insurance. So that was good. And so was hanging out with his grandson. Some people just know there's a better way to do things. Like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate. Or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.